0: We are well into probably one of the most difficult books in the Bible. But we have to remember that there is a promise with this book. The reward is internal. It's what it makes us to be and to expect to be. It's not just words that we are, yes, sir, I'm going to do that. But we do it from our heart. Because the writer is Jesus himself. Or at least the dictator, the the one who dictated this letter to John, is Jesus himself. You know, the words of Jesus in the Gospels are incredible words, they're words of truth. And in some instances, Jesus did disclose things to the disciples when he was with us here on earth. But there is so much more that he has opened up the curtains, pulled them back in this book of Revelation. So we need to have the Holy Spirit to really open our hearts because that's where it first begins. It doesn't happen here. It happens here. And so that's what we really need, is we need to have hearts that are open and to be able to receive these words so that they have the impact that they were intended for, that the Holy Spirit would really be able to apply them to our lives. Because everything I think that we're going to be saying this morning is applicable to every one of us. It's not just for that church or those people 2000 years ago. This is pertinent. This is real stuff. This is headline news that we're talking about because it's happening right now in our societies, in our world today. It's real words for really right now, more so than it ever has been in the history of man. This is it folks. This is what we need to hear. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. We talked about this. It's not a mystery that is trying to show itself, but no, 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 you can't see this. You can't know this. It is something that Jesus is opening up the curtains and letting us in on secrets. This is not a secret that God is trying to hold back from us, but he's saying, This is very, very important. And it was important 2,000 years ago when it was given, but it has become more and more and more and more important for the church to really understand some of the things. And we're not going to be able to understand it all, but it, it will allow us to grasp what God really has for us as the church I think that really what we need to know about what is going to be shared beginning now and for the next seven messages that I have on this is that we are his church and he loves his church. He gave himself for the church. He loves her. He loves her. He loves us. And because of that, He is concerned for where they are going, what they are encountering, but most certainly he is concerned about our hearts and the condition of our hearts. And so my prayer is that each of these messages, these seven messages that we have in the next few weeks will really speak to all of us personally. And would you allow the Holy Spirit to do that in your life? For whatever words we are dealing with in these seven letters, that they would be words that you will personalize. You'd make them your own and be able to take something that will strengthen you, will set you on a course that perhaps you have been struggling with. God will use these words by the Holy Spirit, these words that are 2,000 years old, but therefore, today. This is an amazing book. And as we said before, it comes with a promise. It's to the messenger of the church in Ephesus. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. I don't think there's another book that's so specific with a promise. If you read this, you will be blessed. This is an important book. It is important for all of us here to be able to take away today and the next few days that we have together so that we understand what the will of the Lord is for us. Let's read. Revelation 2, 1-7 to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this, I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not and you found them to be false, and you have perseverance, and have endured for my name's sake, and have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen, and repent, and do the deeds you did at first, or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Yet this you do have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans which I also hate. He who has an ear let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes I will grant to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. John has made it very easy for us in these seven letters. He has used almost exactly the same outline for each of the seven churches. So it really is what Jesus has said to his church together. They were specifically written for a local church. This one today is for Ephesus. That church had its own set of challenges as a people of God. It was a church that was, in many ways, if you have read the book of Ephesians, what Paul, the apostle, shared with them were incredible truths. They were blessed as a people. I mean, when we think of it, And if we're reading the book of Ephesians, we don't really, do we, put our head and say, well, this isn't for me, this is for the Ephesians. No, this this book that was written by Paul to the Ephesian church was like it was written to me. How many have had that feeling when you've read the book of Ephesians? That you feel like that is speaking to me. Yes. So, the Word of God is powerful. It endures. It is like gold. It is precious. And so, Paul and Apollos and Priscilla and Aquila loved this church of Ephesus, in Ephesus. But the day that they lived in was a very base and degraded, and an immoral society. It's the city that had a temple to the great goddess Diana. And that God was a immoral, sexually immoral God. That is where the focus of the Roman world at that time, and Greece as well, focused its attention On this temple, the temple to this God was declared one of the seven wonders of the world. It was incredible, I guess. Marble carved out and people came there from miles around to see it and experience it. But it was wicked, wicked, wicked in what it taught and what it had people to do in order to worship. And in the midst of that, out of that city came a small church. We don't know what size the Ephesian church was. In fact, it probably wasn't like what we are here today, all gathered into one place. It was probably only a section of people like this, but they were scattered throughout that city as believers. They were not really loved or appreciated In their own society. We think that, man, it's hard to be a Christian in Japan. Uh, Japan's a piece of cake. It's easy to eat, it's easy to receive, but the Ephesian church struggled. But they did struggle and what we're reading and studying here now this morning, it'll be to the Ephesian church from Jesus himself, who knows us best, and he says to us, he who overcomes. That's our simple outline, and we'll use that for the next six times. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write. I don't know that I really handled this well last week, but angel, the word angel, actually can be literally translated the messenger. It's like when, you all know this story, the angel came to Mary and said, you will have a child, and you shall call his name Jesus. That angel was a messenger. And in every case where there's angels, those that are from the Lord, they have a task to do, and they are giving a message from God. So this really can be said, the messenger of the church in Ephesus, right? Okay, what angel is that? What is the meaning of angel? For to the messenger of the church. One of the things that we hold dearly in our order of service in most Christian churches and worship places is to have a word from the Lord. And it's an opportunity for us to contemplate, think together, and to hear what the Word of God really means and be able to speak to you in your own language, in your ability to hear and understand what the Bible is talking about, what God's message is to you. And unfortunately for us here at MCC, you have me as the messenger. I will be very honest with you, I never wanted to be a preacher. My dad was a preacher and I appreciated his gift, but I thought, that's not me. I don't want to be a preacher. Okay, Lord, make me a missionary. I was confused in those days. <laughs> What is a missionary? Well, he's on a mission. What does he do? Well, he shares with people about Jesus. That's a messenger. But all these people, they scare me. (laughs) And I don't know how to speak. And Paul said he didn't know how to speak either. But God uses us when we are least able to do a good job. Particularly if we have our hearts tuned to him and to listen to him. And then be able to convey to those that you love and to those that you're concerned about the message of what God wants them to hear. That's the job of a messenger. Sure, he may not have the the skills of John Piper or of uh, Billy Graham, but nonetheless... If his heart is right with the Spirit of God, it will speak to our hearts. I've heard some terrible preachers. I've heard some very good ones. But, you know, when you level it all out, they were all about the same. It spoke to my heart. And I was able to receive something to go on and then live out my Christian life and be able to overcome those things that were not in order in my life. A messenger is very important. And, you know, we have apps called Messenger. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure they didn't read the Bible and get that title for their app. Jesus quoted from Malachi 3.1 when he talks about John the Baptist. Now, if there was a weird messenger... John the Baptist was one. But Jesus said he was greater than Elijah. That means he was the best prophet, the most skilled prophet, the most accurate prophet and messenger. It says, behold, I send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Jesus is quoting from Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, written about 400 years before Jesus came on the scene. What does it mean, Malachi? It means malach, which means messenger. Messenger. His parents, apparently, named him messenger and what did he become he became the last prophet of the Old Testament and what did he point to he pointed to Jesus Christ amazing he was a messenger this message is from who Jesus himself the one who holds The seven stars in his right hand. The one who holds the authority, the authority of the church. He is the authority. He is the head of the church. He is our leader. He's the one that we look to for an example of how to live our lives here on earth. And he holds, it says, the seven stars in his right hand. Last week we read in Revelation 1.20 that the seven stars are the angels or messengers of the seven churches. And so Jesus is holding these seven stars in his hand and John sees that and these messengers are appointed by the authority of Jesus Christ himself. These are the ones who are stars. And what is a star? Well, it's not a movie star, or a football star, or a frisbee star. It is someone that has attracted people to them, and so we call them stars. And that is the purpose of stars in our universe. If we didn't have stars... In the universe, we would be just all over the place. But because some of these stars, like our sun, which is really a wimpy little thing when you look at the whole of universe, it provides the orbit power for our world to spin around it. That's the way God made it. And that's why he said, who holds the seven stars? We're in an orbit, you know that, in the Earth. Well, I don't feel it. Well, no, you don't, because if you felt it, you'd be probably flying off the surface of it. But because of gravity and because of the sun and its position, it has gone around and around the sun for years and years and years and hasn't varied much from that path in that orbit that it's been in. And that is why a messenger is so important. Because it holds us together. And it's Jesus holding that messenger in his hand. You know, we sing this song. Do you know this song? He's got the whole world in his hand. That is not a, a good song. He holds the whole of the universe, the galaxies in his hand. If he only had the world in his hand, wow, we are going to crash. But he holds all creation in his authority and power. The one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Who are the lampstands? What are the lampstands? Last week we learned... The lampstands are the churches. And so this is Musashino, no, lampstand, this. We we are the lampstand. So we let our light shine, and he says to us, I know your deeds, your toil and perseverance. This is a good thing. I know your deeds. I know you work hard, and I know you don't give up. And I know that you cannot tolerate evil men because of where you're living and the stand that you've taken against those who do evil. I know that about you. I appreciate that about you. I commend you. And I know you put to the test those who call themselves apostles or those who are in charge of all the spiritual gifts, and those people are not apostles. They did not walk with me, Jesus. And they are not apostles, Jesus says. And I know you found them to be false. And we have many false prophets around. You know that when Jesus said that in the last times there would be earthquakes, there would be floods, there would be famine, those were just the small things that Jesus talked about. But in that passage, Jesus is talking about wars and rumors of wars. But even worse than wars and rumors of war is deception and lies. That is what we're suffering right now. Do you believe everything that you read on the internet? Don't. Don't. It is full of lies. Oh, Pastor Ron is anti-internet too. Well, no, I use the internet, but I watch very carefully what I read and what I put my trust in. Because there is so much much deception on the internet. Really? Well, what about Wikipedia? Wikipedia as well. They were known, the church in Ephesus were known, that they would find out who was false. And I know you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake. And that's commendable. Jesus' name is the most wonderful name. It means Savior. The one who has come to be with us and to show us the way to the Father. And I know that you have not grown weary. All of those good things Jesus is commending the Ephesians. But you know what? Look for the but. But! I have this against you, that you have left your first love. What is a first love? Well, let me describe for you my first love. No, it wasn't Katie. Oh, no, where is this going? Katie's saying, honey, where are you going? You're off base. No, 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 trust me, trust me. She's living with me for 56 years now. She knows me. My first love was when I was 12 years old. I was basically an orphan. And my uncle took me in. And that fall of the summer that I went to live with him, they took me to a tent meeting. That means a meeting in a tent. It was a, a tent probably four or five times the size of this room, and they had a song. There was a guy called Red Harper. He was a cowboy, but he sang gospel songs, and he gave his testimony. And then there was a preacher, and I can't really remember the preacher, and it so happened that my uncle and my aunt and their children were sitting in another place because there was too many people and not enough seats, and I was sitting by myself in that meeting. And I heard the man who was on the platform speaking about Jesus and what Jesus could do for you. And when he gave the invitation, would you come forward and receive Jesus Christ? I raised my hand. And he said, now I'm going to ask you Come come forward to the platform and we will pray with you. And I went forward. There were a lot of people that went forward. How many have been to a Billy Graham meeting? You know what I'm talking about. But in that meeting, I guess they really didn't train the counselors well enough because I went to the front there and I knelt down. But nobody talked to me. But what happened in my heart was The Spirit of God spoke to me and I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. I will never forget that moment in my life. I was just 11, going on 12. But I understood Jesus loves me. And that was what touched the rest of my life. So That was my first love, and I trust it will always be my first love, that I won't fall from that, and I have a good wife who keeps me honest, and I have a good deacon who keeps me honest. You guys keep me honest, and this is an opportunity that I have. It's one of those those benefits that you get when you're a preacher, when you're a pastor, and you love his word and you love people. Thank you for being our MCC family here. That is a privilege and an honor for me as the pastor here. And so Jesus says, therefore remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first, or else I am coming and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Now, I made it sound like when I came to Jesus that day when I was 11, that I just became a a star Christian. No, there are many ups and downs. I fell many times from what God had called me. But each time he called me back. And this is what he says, remember where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at the first, or else I am coming and I will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Repentance is turning around. It's a 180 that you make. You were going this way, and now you're going this way. That's what repentance basically means. You've been confronted. Yeah, that's me. I'm going the wrong direction. And turn around. Sometimes it's a very deep struggle that you have with that. But don't push back on the Lord too long. He is patient. He's kind. And you know, we can fall many times, many times. But blessed is he who falls and then gets up and continues on. It's never too late until it's done. And yet this you do, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And I think the takeaway on this is, for us to hate what God hates. Hate what he says in his word, not the people, but the sin and what they are doing. Keep that distinguished in your heart in terms of that poor person who is going in that direction, Lord, you love him. You died for him. But the thing that he's doing is destructive, not only to him, but those around him. I hate that. I hate what is happening with this person. But Lord, turn him around. Bring him to yourself. May he come to that place when he realizes he's going the wrong direction. The Nicolaitans, who were they? I don't have time to go into this, but the Nicolaitans were those who had been affected by the sexual immorality of their society, the city around them, and said, well, God just loves everybody. He just loves everyone. And that just is not true. He loves people, but he hates what they do. And the Nicolaitans said, Well, all we're going to do is we're just going to talk about love. No, we need to talk about sin. We need to talk about the balance of what Scripture talks about. You hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, and so do I, the Lord says here. And finally, he says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Do you have an ear this morning? Are you hearing what I'm saying? and Not just my words, but also what the Spirit of God is saying to you yourself. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is for us. And finally, on every one of the seven churches that Jesus talks about, he says, to him who overcomes, to him who overcomes, And this is the promise for the church of Ephesus. I will grant to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. The tree of life. Anybody know where the tree of life originally was planted? In the garden. What garden? Garden. The garden of Eden. The very first place that God put Adam and Eve. You can have... Of any tree that has what fruit on it with seed with seed, there's two little words in Genesis there that you need to be careful of. Eve looked at what Satan the serpent had said, "Oh, isn't this delicious? Looking? don't you want some of it? And he shone his light, which was false light on that tree. And Eve took it and together Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil well isn't that good it'll make us just like God no it won't it'll make you opposite of what God is they should have been eating of the tree of life what happened to that tree well the whole garden was off-limits prohibited to Adam and Eve. And God put an angel with a flaming sword to keep anyone from coming and eating of the tree of life. So did that just kind of melt away? By the way, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was not an apple. It was not an apple. I hate this sign. If you can't see it, it's an apple with a bite out of it. No, this is not an apple. It's an apple computer, but where they got that, I do not know. It was not an apple. It was a destructive fruit. But the tree of life would give life. And if Adam and Eve had eaten of that after they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... They would have lived, I believe, for eternity without ever having a chance to repent and turn. They would be in that state. But God reintroduces the tree of life here in this message to the churches that this tree we are going to eat from. I can't wait to bite into that that's probably an apple. I love apples, but uh, I don't know. I think that that tree of life, I don't know what it is, but it is there for a purpose. May the Holy Spirit use this for us to really understand what repentance is about, what we really have in our lives as believers, that when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, What a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his goodwill, he, what? Abides. What, What does abide mean? He lives with us. What an incredible truth. What an incredible honor that we have as the people of God. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, we would like to talk with you and share more with you Send me an email or stop me at the door or bring yourself to the place where, like I was as an 11-year-old boy, that I first fell in love with Jesus Christ. And what he has done for me, he can do for you. Bless you. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of it. And we pray that Not just my words, but your words would really be ringing in our hearts this week as we go about our business. Thank you that you make our business your business. Bless each one here this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.